Jackson Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up, guys? It's JK3. All right, so we are going to record and hopefully do some um, mending of the fences amongst all the various folks fighting in the Jaguars community. Uh, Derek, if you want to kind of explain, we got numerous feuds going on on social media, on the airwaves, and it's all super entertaining to, to watch and listen to. We're not going to get... get uh, yes, we are. In any, yeah, <laughs> it's so bad, okay? Yeah, everyone's disappointed. We don't like how the season turned out. We we knew who Blake was. We knew, you know, who our coaching staff was. So why are we fighting? We're fighting because everyone wants to claim that they saw it first or they saw it coming. I know more about football than you do, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. Okay? No, we don't. No one saw this coming. Okay, no one wanted this to happen, so we just need to get over it. And as far as some of the local media guys out there, local media members uh, that are you know fighting amongst each other, hats off for the great comedy. Appreciate it. <laughs> it, it it's like it's like watching celebrity deathmatch on MTV. <laughs> some of the like some of the tweets and stuff that I see and people going back and forth is just. Um, it, it's good. I, I think it's great. It's just so funny just to see some of the people argue back and forth. And then it's like, I saw one radio uh, announcer use someone's first name in their Twitter handle, but it wasn't really their name. So it, it's like, he kept calling him by his name. And it's just like, that's not really his name that you're addressing him by. But it's, uh, it, it's like watching, you know, older people, argue over the internet and using like correct punctuations uh commas and everything and it's like dude you only got 142 characters quit wasting them on the commas <laughs> just get your point across i don't know i that's kind of like one of the benefits of a losing season or a bad season is that all the pessimism and arguing and fighting i find it really funny actually <laughs> and as far as People uh, saying that they predicted that the season would end up the way it was. I mean, that there were definitely people saying that, and it's kind of crazy. I don't think I agree with you. I don't think anybody anticipated this. I mean, I don't think there was one person out there. And I'd love for the folks that did say they predicted we do poorly this season to show me proof that they said it in like you know text or or recording or something because I don't believe it. The only person that uh, that I know that that and I can't call his name. He's on NFL Network, um, but he's a he's a, a historical hater of Jacksonville anyway. So um, he's the only one that called it and called the the Texans winning the uh, AFC South, which they did. But look how that worked out for them. It just got drugged by by the Colts. So uh, that's the only guy that I know that called it. We, now we all said on here after Week One that Fournette wasn't worth a crap. All of us. And it wasn't because of his, you know, physical skills. It's lack of effort. Like, you can obviously tell dude doesn't work out. He just admitted that I'm probably not in as best shape as I could be. All right. And, you know, bottom line is he's, you know, repping the clothing line, you know, Booga Nation or whatever it is on the <laughs> sidelines of the LSU game and not, you know, in the gym. So, hey, that's what happens. You can – think you're big and bad all day uh now now you might lose a job and then you know if you do get picked up 
You're not gonna get that contract you wanted. You're not gonna get that Zeke money. He just he's turned out to be. It, so. He just turned out to be a ball headed Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where did we see that? I remember that. Dude. dude, I saw it on Twitter and had to put my phone down. I was laughing so hard. And yeah. now every now and then I still think about it. And I got put two and two together, and he runs exactly like Toby Gerhardt, two yard Toby would. Oh man, that's great. That that is just the comparison that that's just hilarious to me. I don't know if you if you if you are credited for saying that on Twitter and you listen to our show, please uh, retweet. Maybe we can find like some bumper stickers or something to to, to send to you. But that was that, that's great. Yeah. So what what is the deal with him as far as the not being in shape thing? Was that a legit thing? Like, is he chunky or fat or something? Because I mean, I can't really tell. Or no. what you mean? So pretty much. And we'll go back here a little bit. He's he was a five star guy coming out of high school, which you know, if you're five star, you're, you're supposed to be all world. But you know, the NFL is I think full of more three stars than actual five stars uh, when it comes to the whole rivals rating and two four seven rating for high school football. So he gets to LSU. He starts as a true freshman. He runs four thousand yards in the vaunted SEC. So he you know he's supposed to be big and bad. Does it two more years, and he goes pro. Problem is everything's been handed to him because he's always been more physically dominating than his opponents Mm -hmm. in high school and college. Apparently he's about the same size he was a senior year in high school Hmm. as he is now. Wow. Like without minus the fat. Um, So with him being able to do that and now he's in the NFL, well, guess what? Everybody's just as big and just as fast and just as strong as you are. That's what happens. Guaranteed. I mean, he's never he's he's probably never had to really push himself one day in his life until now. I mean, it, it that and then it, I think a lot of the, the the spiral starts when when he when he left the bench, you know, for the fight. I know we keep talking about Inky, but that to me it was just kind of like, man, you're a captain. Um, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't know if it's the. I mean, he his co- Tyrone Wheatley got got fired, so he was yeah. one of the assistant coaches that got fired also. So maybe it started something in the in the in the in the in the running backs room and kind of spilled over. Maybe Tyrone Wheatley couldn't you know control you know something, but it was definitely a a situation of where he was his effect was on the entire you know core. I mean, look at the way T.J. Yeldon you know played in the beginning of the season and then kind of when he came back it was kind of one of those things where you know the body language a lot of the stuff just kind of disappeared and you know I think as far as some of that 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 lackluster performance and that you know um I don't care attitude it can uh, it can be spread amongst the you know the locker room and I mean it starts in a small pod like you know the running back room and kind of drifts outward and plus he was a captain too so his team nominated him to be a captain and if you've got a captain acting like that then you're really going to take uh you know control uh you know take identity of that team i mean look who our captains were i mean offensively it was fournette um blake bortles and who uh someone on the offensive line linder okay so and, and look at each one of those positions you know blake lost his job fournette is Fournette and Linder, I mean, well, he played he did he end up hurt? Yeah, yeah, he, the knee out for the year after like what week eight, nine? Yeah. So there, there's no leadership on the offensive side of the ball at all. 
Yeah. Did they? I thought I read also that they changed the way that the captains are going to be voted on next year. Where what was it more a player's vote before, or the players had a bigger say in it? And I think next year they're taking that completely out of it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be NFL wide. I think that's just going to be locally. Yeah, that's what I mean. I didn't know if that was like a shift in the mentality of the team. Like, hey, we need to kind of rein these guys in a little more. Yeah, it's a shift. And to go back on some points we've already really covered, but, you know, this is officially Tom Coughlin's team now. This is officially his team. I think he was just sitting back. He's been too vocal or he's, he's, he's been too quiet. And then all of a sudden he just comes out of nowhere and he's been more vocal now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that he was in complete control. And the reason why is I think he was sitting back waiting for this to happen. Cause he probably knew it was going to happen. Right. Just, you know, he, dude, 72 years old. If anybody could have predicted this to our local media members that claim they know, and people on Twitter that claim they know, if anybody could, it would have been him. And I guarantee that's why he kept his mouth shut because he saw it coming. So if he if he saw yeah. it coming, how and and Khan is quote unquote, you know, he's quote unquote Khan's football guy and football personnel. Why does why does Dave get or why does Dave get the run back? Like why does he get to come back? I mean, looking historically at some of his draft picks, it has been terrible. The only reason why yeah. his last two picks are even he, I mean, his his last two first round picks are Jalen and and Fournette, and I mean, those are the only two that are still in the NFL. Well, I also think that there's definitely a relationship, you know, between Con and Caldwell, somehow, somewhere. I, I, I that part I can't figure out for the life of me. There's a report that Caldwell was, you know, basically at the mercy of of uh, Coughlin. And Coughlin decided to keep him. You know, Khan said you can cut him, if, you know, cut him loose if you want to. And uh, Coughlin decided to keep him. I, I think that's an inaccurate report because of the fact that Caldwell's house was up for sale about a month or two ago for a, a good minute. And all of a sudden it's not about two weeks left before the season. Really? So I, I thought that, that decision was, yeah, I thought that decision was made a long time ago. Really? See, that's where I'm getting my stuff from, man. I, I, I'm not just sitting here making this stuff up out of the air. So all of a sudden you're telling me a dude's like house for sale, which you never know. He could have been moving or building something up. Who knows? Yeah. But it's too much of a coincidence for his home to be up for sale. Then two weeks later, it's not, or, or a week later, it's not. And it's been for sale for a while. There's two weeks left to go in the season. And then Coughlin just starts going nuts, yeah. you know. I will say, talking on I've always J phone. Well, I've stuff. always found that Jaguars real estate rumors are definitely the most accurate rumors, considering you know John Gruden and Bill Cower all bought houses in Ponte Vedra. And <laughs> hey, 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 I'm not going by with I'm not going by just the whole real estate. I'm just going by a timeline of events. And you're right, JK three. Why in the world did Caldwell get retained? That is the biggest question. Why is this it's man still here? I mean, I mean, yeah. Mar- Marone <laughs> deserves a shot. Marone deserves a, a, another shot. Like, see if okay, like you, you, you took the team to the to the AFC Championship um, this season. Wasn't you know you, you, injuries, whatever you want to say. So I think you definitely need another another chance. You you really do. But as far as Caldwell goes, it. Blew my mind after Houston. Whenever 
uh, Khan came out and said that he's returning back with the same operation. It completely blew my I it I was speechless. There was just no way that that it, that it can happen. I mean, granted, some of the some of the drafts, like the draft um, where he brought in Jalen, um, was it? Yeah, Jalen, and then you know they hit on Ngakwe. Um, you know, Miles Jack fell to him, so that was kind of like a no brainer. Um, you know, a couple players that have that have that have hit, but the majority of the players that did not work out, the number is greater. And, and that's what I don't understand. And the thing about it, too, is that this draft is coming up right now. and We've got the seventh round pick. And I, I don't think Haskins is going to be there, number one. And if he's there, number two, he doesn't completely wow me for 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 it to be a seventh round pick. I'm not going to get into, you know, all these draft statistics and say, oh, well, he played this way. He played this way. I've actually watched Ohio State a majority of the time because they've been on, you know, at, at you know, times where the Gators are playing. I've seen the kid. He's good. But you're not going to sit here and try to talk me into saying that he's just an NFL caliber. Just I, I just don't see it. He just doesn't jump off the paper to me. I don't know anything about drafts, so who, who am I? You know what I mean? But I, I think that they're literally right now, um, this is another opportunity, opportunity for him to set the franchise back in another three to five years. Yeah, see, I don't know if I agree on – as much as I was excited about the potential of like a new general manager hire and all the excitement that would go with that, I mean, he was part of the construction of the team that was one game away from the Super Bowl. You know, Marone had just gotten there. That team wasn't constructed in one year. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say that I completely disagree, especially when Khan's big point, or at least maybe what they've rumored is his big point, is the whole factor of continuity being so rare in the NFL. Um, you know, as a business owner, I think he looks at it as in continuity being important where a lot of the other, you know, sports specific owners might hire and fire guys so quickly. Sean Conn doesn't look at it that way. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I didn't feel as horrible about it maybe as a lot of the other fans did. You know, but my thing is the free agents came here because of Coughlin, Calais, Boye, uh, Jeremy Parnell, which he's a serviceable right tackle. Um, but they came here because of Coughlin, not because of Caldwell. I don't care what people say. I, I just really – and we don't know. We can only speculate. But just from what I could gather and conclude, something had to have happened with this conversation with Bortles. And there had there had to have been some dissension within the lock or within the front office. And then that's how this really all began, you know. And then it was probably more like, you know, okay, they're three and one. Bortles is doing great. Look what he did to the Patriots. Look what he did to the Jets. And Coughlin was just sitting back quiet. Like, okay, let's let's see. And here we are now. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, I mean, do you, do you think just, that it's more the injuries more than anything, though? Like, I'm not saying Bortles is good. He was certainly, like, strengthened by – I think he was strengthened more by a healthier roster. And then once that fell apart – you know, him not being that great to begin with, it completely fell apart for him. Do you know what I mean? Well, injuries definitely always will play a role in throwing a monkey wrench into your season. I mean, huge injuries. The Jags probably yeah. got – yeah. They probably got hit with the most injuries probably of any, any NFL team this year. Looks like, you know, karma kind of caught up right. for last year. Right. And, you know, for this year. But at the end of the day, man, you got to have guys on your roster that can win. There are a lot of teams that have won Super Bowls 
with three backup offensive linemen. I mean, yeah, granted, we had five by the end of the season. but <laughs> Yeah, granted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all I'm saying is the, the, the drop-off was so mm-hmm. bad that it was like a complete debacle. Like, he just, you know, doesn't care. You know, I don't know. Is, is, does Bortles really care? He doesn't have the body language. Is he on the bottle? You know, <laughs> nobody knows. Right. We, all we know is this. Numbers don't lie. We need a new quarterback. And that should be like numero, you know, numero uno, number one priority heading into the offseason. Yeah. I mean, do you think that it, it can't be it can't be something to where so so with our pick right now, we've got the seventh round pick in the draft. Obviously seventh we, pick, not the seventh round pick. I mean whatever. <laughs> tomato, tomato. You you threw me off with the Umaro Nuno or the Umaro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I corrected myself. <laughs> so the seventh pick. You know, obviously, let, let's just say worst case scenario, Haskins isn't there. What do they do? They better get the scouting. <laughs> okay, get the scouting because you know if you look at some of your starters in in the NFL, yeah, you got Lamar Jackson, who's a Heisman Trophy winner, Deshaun Watson, national champion from Clemson, but then you got guys like Garoppolo, which yeah, I know he got hurt, but he's still a starter that's pretty you know good. Mm-hmm. He didn't, you know, light it up in college or come out of nowhere. Um, you know, there are serviceable guys out there that probably will end up better than, than than Haskins will. You know, that's a different story for another episode with 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 Haskins at Ohio State and Urban mm-hmm. Myers' offense. But um, th- there's there are guys out there. You just have to scout them and know what you're doing when you select them. You know, that's what you know Coughlin and, and Caldwell get paid to do, and unfortunately. You know, Caldwell has been really missing with the quarterback, obviously. And Coughlin, to be quite honest with you, he didn't light the world on fire either with some of his picks when he was with New York or down here. He didn't pick Eli. Remember, he was not there. I don't think he was there yet when know. Eli I need got to draft my boy Kyler Murray. You know what I'm saying? That's the guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, He's going to the A's. Well, <laughs> And remember, Eli didn't even. Well, Eli got drafted by the Chargers, then got traded for Philip Rivers because Archie Manning said he didn't want to play for Chargers. Anyway, I don't think Coughlin was there, so maybe that's why he's there because maybe they both need help. Who knows? But we we can't miss. We cannot afford to miss. Or maybe we will be playing four games in London next. You know, in the next five years, as Dan Patrick, you know, said. So, what do you guys think from? <laughs> You know, now going forward, where do we go from here? Like, what's the focus? I mean, obviously the draft, we're going to get into that, I'm sure, as it gets closer. And there's, you know, NFL Network segments and specials on all those guys running 40 times and and all that fun stuff that I actually hate watching. But up until that, at least, what's sort of the direction at this point? Because I think one piece of it's definitely going to be getting the locker room back under control and instilling probably – more Coughlin style, um, you know, discipline. Cause that seemed to be part of the problem is even though there were a lot of injuries, the remaining guys that we did have that were pretty good, just weren't disciplined. My, my thing is, is that you can't in, in this draft and, and what we've got going on right now, you cannot draft a first round pick and their impact be felt like week 15 case in point, Taven Bryant. Our first round pick got his first sack in like week 15 or 16 of the season. 
Like, there's no way you can miss that. Like, if you're drafting a first round pick, um, they're they're playing. They it needs to be an a, a glaring need, uh, and it needs to be something where you know this person is going to automatically be able to fit in. And now with the Jags, you know, having you know their five and eleven record, now we're finding more pieces that we have to find for plug, plug and play. So not only can you miss, you can't miss on the first round. You can't miss the second round. Third round has got to be good. So now you're you're almost going into the fourth round where you're looking for potential pieces to go ahead and start on this offense. I mean, you definitely need to, and, and then another thing too is that your your second round receiver that you drafted has more tackles on special teams than he does receptions. Mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season is, you know, the Jaguars media and, and the hype, they were all over this guy on, uh, you know, getting us hyped up with some of the, the, the plays that he was making during in, in OTAs and mini camp and training camp. You know, and again, I, I said it out there, don't get hyped up about it because it's just T-shirts or, or jerseys and shorts and they're running routes against air. Of course, he should catch everything. But still, though, if he's a second round pick. Why is your second round pick? your gunner on punt mm-hmm. and he's making more tackles than he has catches. It's, it's crazy to me. So you, you need to really be able to find playmakers and role players that are going to be able to get in and step in and really just provide depth. I mean, you know, look at Indianapolis's draft, you know, case in point, they got a book in guard and they got a tackling machine in their draft last year. And, and, and look where they are right now. Of course, their centerpiece of their offense is Andrew Luck, but Indy's defense wasn't as, as, as touted as was it, what it was. You know, they, they weren't coming into the season being, you know, you didn't think you were going to get, you know, Leonard who was going to have like a million tackles and no one be able to say anything about it, you know? So you got to hit in every position, long story short. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's just bad looking at, you know, what, 2013 draft, I think, was the first draft of Caldwell? Not a single one of these guys is on the team. <laughs> uh, I think one owns a bar or nightclub here. Another one drove his car into a lake. I don't think he's in the league. He's in the AF, Another one, AF or the Alliance of America. Oh, I thought you were. Whatever that is. The, I thought you were talking the about the like, uh, alcoholics-type organization. Yeah, or another one's working. <laughs> <laughs> another one's working it. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. In, he's not in AA. <laughs> the XFL starts soon too. Oh geez, yeah, that's where that's where we'll find these guys, uh, you know. And then you know, 2014: Bortles, Lee, Robinson, Linder, Colvin, Telvin, Chris Smith, Boenko, and Storm Johnson. Yet Linder's our starting center. Robinson's in Chicago. Marquise Lee, I don't know why we signed him. Bortles, we know who he is. Hey, Colvin, guess what? He got all that money for the Texans, and now he's the fourth corner on their depth chart. That's great, huh? Um, Good job, Caldwell. Didn't need him, right? Good job, dude. Hey, 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 no, he that means he's just a nickel, is what that means. He he's a nickel. He got starter money, let him get his money, and would be surprised if he got cut in another year or two and he'd be back here if we're still relevant as a team. Um But just looking at this these drafts over the last few years, I mean, yeah, 2016 was the home run. That's where you got Ramsey Jack and Ngakwe first three picks. Everything else is kind of, you know, very suspect. And I'm not saying he's got to go five for seven or six for seven because that's dang near impossible, you know, unless you're just that good of a GM. Um, hey, even Bill Belichick misses. You know, he finds him, but he misses, you know. Um, but we we got to do better than, you know, last year's draft. You got seven guys selected. Your third-round pick 
is your starting safety. You know, your first and second pick, Taven Bryan's starting due to a technicality, okay, that somebody got, you know, basically released and opened up, or not released, traded, and that opened up some rotation for him. And then Malik Jackson didn't want to play. DJ Shark, you know, he, he joined the, the butter hands, you know, the, you know, the butter hands crew and couldn't hold on to the ball. <laughs> so really, so, really quick. How did Keenan keep his job? Cause Coughlin loves him. That's, that's a good question. How did dude. It's, keep it's his gotta job? be because you know, when, when I saw that come out on Twitter, that all those assistants were leaving and I'm like, okay, then McCardell is definitely on the next one on the chopping block. And he didn't go. I'm like, okay, either you just went across the middle so many times for Coughlin that he's yep. keeping you there. Or or something, because that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, we led the league in drops by a lot, people. Not a little bit, a lot. So that's bad. We can't be dropping balls. And then, you know, with with uh, Keelan Cole regressing the way he did, and, you know, Moncrief, I think Moncrief only signed a one-year deal. He's probably going to leave, too, if he did sign a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, so that means our starting receivers, if we were to line up tomorrow uh, for next season, would be like Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, and Marquise Lee. What about um, the search for the offensive yeah. coordinator? I, I know this is a little like off topic, but you know, any any has there been any like really rumblings of like what what we could probably bring in from the from the OC? I don't know OCs and like names like that. You know what I mean? So I haven't you know I haven't really been paying attention. So the only one I heard of in the last like two days of someone that's getting some traction was Kubiak. Okay, and he was hmm. the ex head coach for the Broncos. Yeah, that'd, so be, Kubiak, that'd be a good one. Well, he we can't because the Broncos and this comes from you know you got old Horsemouth running the team out there, <laughs> Elway. Uh, he Kubiak is the player director or player personnel or something like that or some you know position and the Broncos are blocking him from talking to any team. Hmm. I have no idea why or how or what, but um if there's because I think he ended up stepping down for some weird reason. And for people that don't remember, Kubiak used to coach for the Texans, right? Yeah. So well, he was known for being know, one had, of the top like run game guys. So that would totally make sense bringing him in. Yeah, but you know, there's no link between him and Jacksonville. No one said anything. I just know that there are teams out there that want him, and he's not available. There's some other young guys that you know are making some headways as far as uh, getting you know into the, the to, to coaching carousel, but they haven't really announced anything. And I don't know anybody that would you know that jumps off the page. Yeah, I have a uh, a Times Union article pulled up that kind of mentions some of the candidates. I'll just kind of throw them out there real quick. But Daryl Bevel, I guess, is uh, Seattle's offensive coordinator in 17. Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. I think he was the uh, Miami interim coach for a while. Adam Gaze, who just got fired from Miami. Mike Kafka, uh, who's KC's quarterbacks coach. Ben McAdoo, who was the Giants coach before. Todd Mullen. Wasn't he spotted in Jacksonville? He was spotted like a couple weeks ago or like – I would say two, three months ago in the uh, the airport. Really? Like after the bye week or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, so maybe that would be one. Todd Monken, who I've heard, I think I saw Pete Prisco tweeting about him as being a really good uh, good guy. Um, 
because I guess Dirk Cutter got fired, so I guess that means Monken's probably gone too because he's Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator. Um, Sean Ryan, Houston's quarterbacks coach, who I don't know, and then funny enough, they mentioned Dirk Cutter, <laughs> who was here for a number of years, but I I don't see that happening. Yeah, the Monken uh, one, you know, he's been here before as a wide receivers coach. I want to say I'm trying to find it now. Um, I think 07, 06 or 07, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, it says 07. I want to say yeah, also, yeah. yeah, he also, you know, used to uh, coach on Mr. Justin Blackman at uh, Oklahoma State, too, I want to say. But, you know, we need some new blood is what I think. We got to find someone that's either A, hasn't been here, or B, has a new fresh Mm -hmm. idea. You know, if you look at like Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, young guy, 32, 33 years old, 34, something like that. He's, he's got a new and innovative offense that has worked. You know, if you're going to get an older guy, get it, you know, like look at Andy Reid, the head coach for the Chiefs. Obviously, he's not up for the OC position here, but he's pretty much reinvented himself and catered the offense around that team. That's what we need, someone that can cater the offense around what we have. And that's why I didn't think Hackett got a fair share, a fair shake, because he definitely tried. He couldn't help that Bortles was the, uh, you know, the Bortles is what he is. So, and I don't believe for a minute that you know him firing him was going to help anything. It actually got worse. So I think that proves our point that he was just a scapegoat, yep. and somebody else was kind of forcing the hand, making the coaches start Bortles. Caldwell, but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> point is we got to find a, a young guy with some fresh ideas that can relate to the players because you got to win their respect back. See. I think Fish from Tampa, I think that's a bad idea. Apparently he's very old school, tough, like kind of like Coughlin, and that's why he lost Tampa. Story is on him, Noah Spence went to him like a man and was like, hey, dude, you're losing the locker room. You might want to, you know, not only ease up, but, you know, help us out. Like, you know, we want to band together. Noah Spence didn't see the playing field at all after he talked to that guy. Now, who knows what was actually said after that, you know? But that's what his intentions were. Who Point are we talking is, about? Uh, Jed Fish. The, the Jed Fish. Oh yeah. So point is, you don't think that the players and Jacks don't know this? The players talk to each other, man. They all got each other's cell number. They text. They talk. So once one coach comes on, hey, y'all just got Jed Fish. Oh man, that dude. Let me tell you what he did to me. It's a game over. No respect. Well, so it's got to be somebody new and fresh, somebody with some you know original ideas. Well, I mean, the the only other person that I that I saw was uh, you know Jim Bob Cooter, and uh, if, <laughs> if he does make it down here, that would I mean, all jokes aside, if if he does leave Detroit, I mean, look what he did with Stafford. If we can get a a, a decent quarterback, uh, either in free agency and then also you know in the draft which is what I think the general consensus of the organization should probably do is, is try to find someone there. Uh, you know, someone, you know, that, that has an, an, uh, uh, an elaborate scheme, someone that can, um, you know, that can really just 
you know, open up a playbook. And he's young. He fits that mold too, Derek. I mean, he's 34 years old. He, he, he fits what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as far as bringing fresh ideas. And, I mean, look what he did with Megatron, Matthew Stafford, Golden Tate before he um, before he went to the Eagles. Um, carry on. Uh, what, what's their, the running back's name? I think it was carry on. Um, oh, no, Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay there, uh, you know, also yeah. in Detroit. Yeah, that's so, right. You know, their offense is there. Detroit is just uh, as bad as a train wreck as anywhere else is going to be. But, uh, you know, definitely going to have to bring in someone that can, you know, kind of match the personnel that we have right now. And you think about it, you know, it. our receivers really aren't that – Aren't, aren't that exciting on paper. I mean, the only person you really got on the team that's that's worth a, a you know an eyebrow raise would be Marquise Lee, and he's a good solid two or three any other receiving core, um, you know, in, in the league. So they definitely got to work on bringing in some type of offensive talent as well, you know, in free agency. Whether it, it you know you're not going to draft unless you you know just hit on a, on a draft and you draft someone that's a diamond in the rough like you know Ngakwe, but. You know they're going to have to bring in you know some 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 formidable you know receiving talent to kind of help that core. And I think another thing too that led to the demise is lack of tenure. Like you know the only person that really would have been able to be on the team that was that I think the only person that's on that's been on the team longest is Avery Jones now. But before it was uh, Mercedes Lewis, and you know Mercedes you know had that intangible leadership you know about him. You know granted he wasn't really you know, producing on the field, but he was good for the locker room. He was good for the culture. Um, and I think, you know, with Avery being on the, that side of the ball, he's good for the defensive culture and good for, you know, some of the things that they've got going on there. So they definitely need to bring in some type of leadership and someone that's going to be able to help out on the offensive, you know, side in, in more ways than just running routes, you know? And that's good that you pointed that out, JK3, because I didn't mean, think about this. Mercedes Lewis, pause, hey, Guys, that that that's a good, you know, those are two guys that, yeah, their production on the field had kind of fallen off, but you wouldn't dare do some of the stuff that was pulled off or that was pulled during the season with those guys right. there. I mean, look at that that fight between Fowler and um and Ngakwe that Fowler was just, you know, he being a crybaby because, you know, Yana, you didn't took your spot. Okay, face it, you lost. You didn't got your butt kicked. Um, it had that. Would, was it going to happen? Sure, it probably could have happened. Could it have been more controlled if you had guys like Paz and, and, and Mercedes Lewis here? Yeah, it probably would have. Probably, you know, and it probably would have, you know, the whole Jalen thing going off on a rant, you know, probably would have gotten his, you know, gotten Jalen's face about right. that. You know, Telvin not caring as much anymore. You know, that's another thing. It, it's just that leadership is so key when it comes to bringing together a team of with a group of young men that are very passionate about winning, because if you can control that passion, you have what we had two years ago when we went to the championship game, when that passion gets loose and breaks out of its cage, we have what happened. This you got year. Calais also. Calais is a pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good veteran. And I think that, you know, he, he's someone, but you need multiple. Yeah. I mean, how about him? I mean, that dude's got, Double-digit sacks two years in a row. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that kind of sums up the three main points for where the team goes from here. You know, a new offensive coordinator. Obviously, the other coaches we have to replace now. Some new discipline instilled. And then, obviously, the draft and personnel decisions seem to be pretty important. Um, yeah. As far as individual players, 
you know, and I know Derek, you had kind of a list that you uh, put together here. Um, who are the guys that, that we really need to stay and, and who needs to go? Obviously, Calais is a guy that we want to keep for many different reasons, but there's a couple guys who are probably borderline. Um, one thing, JK3, you mentioned is that rumor about Jalen Ramsey being potentially traded. And uh, I know you're pretty decisive on <laughs> your feelings in that area. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. You, you don't trade the best. You, you, don't, you don't trade the best uh, football player on your team. Period. That's it. And the thing that worries me, you know, the most about the about the Jalen situation is I think the Jaguars really need to go ahead and address this and pay him like before it becomes a holdout situation or before it becomes something bigger than what it needs to be. Because honestly, this guy will hold out. He will pull a Darrell Revis. Um and he's seen what's happened mm-hmm. with with, with Le'Veon Bell, for example, who was about to, you know, if he's still keeping himself in shape, you're just one play away from 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 getting hurt and costing yourself millions of dollars. And the things that I the thing that I really dislike about it is that when people are just like, oh well, he's being a selfish teammate, you know, or he he needs to go out and work. I, I would be wor- I would be worried about myself too. So they need to go ahead and pay him first of all, uh, and second of all, you continue to build. Um, and, and keep that defense intact as much as you possibly can. But um, if there is any trade rumor or anything about Jalen Ramsey leaving the Jacksonville Jaguars, that would be probably the most ridiculous thing <laughs> that, would, that would ever happen. But I mean, maybe, but think about it though. Could that, I mean, I don't even know if those rumors are true or not, or if it's just people just kind of spinning stuff up. But I mean, maybe that kind of fits the whole discipline thing because he's always been a guy that sort of, you know, had his opinion out there. And Coughlin, you know how he is. I mean, he might be you looking can, to clean house of those guys. You can have your opinion out there. You can be as boisterous as you want, right? You can you can say that, but when it, it starts affecting the team, when you miss practice, Jalen doesn't miss practice, right? When you miss games, Jalen does not miss games. He plays hurt, right? When you are mm-hmm. showing up late to team meetings. If we if Jalen if Jalen was showing up or was a detriment to the team, you would almost guarantee that we would know that just because of his personality. And mm-hmm. none of that stuff comes out. And then on top of that, Jalen being the um you know the the all pro that he is on the team, right? What the first person, Ronnie Harrison gets his first interception. The first person that's there to greet him well, you know, and celebrate with him as he gets his first pick. An all pro, you know, you got a rookie in here right now. He gets his first pick and the person that's the first person there to congratulate him is the all pro, the only all pro on your team. I mean, that that's, that's crazy. When DD Westbrook ran that, um, ran the punt return back first person on the sideline to meet him, Jalen Ramsey, Blake Bortles. I mean, so there's, there's no way they can get rid of him. I mean, even if he, if he does talk crap, he does talk smack everything else like that. If he was a detriment to the team, we would know it. But I'm not going to call any other names or anything else like that, but we've got a certain player. Uh, you know, his, his name is uh, Leonard Mormet, and who, <laughs> who, who misses practice, who's late to meetings, who's a constant discipline, uh, you know, issue on the team. Week 16, you're over. I'm not in shape. How are you not in shape in week 16? You get paid to work out. How are you not in shape and you're in the NFL? That's, you know, yeah, I mean? that too, that too. Like, it, it's just, it, it, there's a, there's a thing about being like, uh, you, you know, being boisterous and everything, 
But if you're not, if you're, if you're bad for your team, then that's a totally different thing. But one of the things we also said too, like two years ago, and which is crazy to think like two years ago, but winning cares all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, yeah. if you win, no, none of these issues are arising. Everything's good. But when you lose, that's when all the, the nitpicking and that's when all the stuff starts coming out and, and, and the lights get shined on, on a lot of your really, really big issues. Yeah, and that's a good uh, transition, actually, Derek. I'd be curious your thoughts because it's – I know a lot of people are kind of making the emotional decision right away to be like, get rid of Fournette, trade him, cut him, whatever it is. I don't think that decision is going to be that easy. But, you know, what are your thoughts on looking at him and sort of seeing what's out there to, in the trade market? Or I, I just It seems scary because you basically overturn your entire running back group. They're going to know pretty quick – if uh, they need to move on from him, you know, they already, the discipline problems are there for them to, you know, have that signal. But as far as the off season conditioning, when, when the draft is over and you have that rookie camp and then you have that voluntary, you know, OTAs and stuff like that. If Leonard Fournette ain't there, then they already know they need to get rid of him. Cause I don't think he showed up last year. I think he was out in California goofing mm. off. <laughs> you know, he was apparently running, running in the sand you know, it is Booger Nation sweatpants or whatever you, you know, whatever the heck you're trying to wear. But I'm um, wearing some Booger Nation sweatpants right now. They're pretty good. <laughs> Who knows? All, all I'm saying is this. They're, they're going to know pretty quick. Uh, when you look at it from the grand scheme of do we need a tailback? Absolutely. But if we have a chance to make this team better with two other guys, especially on the O-line and QB position, is Leonard Fournette expendable? Absolutely, he's expendable. Well, we also get Corey, we get Corey Grant back, too. We'll get Corey Grant back, and that'll be an opportunity for him. Uh, TJ Yeldon, he definitely isn't coming back. So, you know, that'll be you know good for him. Yeah, he sat on the bench and was there with Fournette, and they were probably talking about what they're going to do when, they, when the season's over, when this game's finally over with him. Coughlin kind of got mad about that, but – that's fine. Hey, you know, go ahead. Thank you for the four years. We'll see you later, TJ Yeldon. And um, just go on from there. So it, it's – I think it'll be it'll be really quick when uh, they'll, they'll know what they want to do. If they try to trade him before the draft, you know, to see what kind of pick they can get. You know, there, there'll definitely be some internal things that they do as far as are you working out? Are you really hurt? What, do you, what are you really doing? Hopefully Fournette has seen the ads on TV that they put out in the new year. Uh, Planet Fitness, $1 down, $10 a month. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, <laughs> might see him up there. Um, so, yeah, Down by the Bank, uh, sponsored by Planet Fitness. Uh, make sure you get the uh, the resolutions uh, on track and, and judgment-free zone, all that kind of stuff. Hashtag. New year, new, year, new me. <laughs> yeah yeah, we have some other guys uh, to touch on too but we'll kind of leave it there and pick up on some other guys on the roster next time as to who we think should stay and go and I'm sure that conversation will keep going through the playoffs Um, as well as coordinator talk too as teams are eliminated you know those uh, interviews can start rolling although I think they do interviews while teams are still in the playoffs too which is kind of weird but um, I'm sure we'll hear more about that and I'm sure the fighting on the radio and on social media will continue, which is super entertaining. So please keep it up. Um, any final thoughts from you guys before we cut it, cut it there? 
just be glad that this is over with. We have woken up or been awakened from the nightmare. It's over. Okay, just we'll take take the L's and and keep going and go from there. I, I, I'm so glad. We'll I'm glad. Yeah, we we're we're uh, away from our nightmare because what the Bears are going through right now is just. I'd be sick. Yeah, I, I'd be sick to lose on a double doink. Oh my gosh, I would be sick. Did you see? Because I just got a Bleacher Report message that said that that last one that that hit the upright that it might have actually been blocked. Like somebody got his hand on it. Doesn't matter. You still lost it on a kick. <laughs> oh, I That's know. The, <laughs> that he made before they called the timeout. Yeah. Which is which is crazy, and I and I don't know what NBC does or or NBC any of the networks. Whenever they put up a stat of something that you're not good at, you're usually gonna do what you're not good at, aka meaning like they put up a graphic showing this dude had missed like ten field goals <laughs> throughout the entire season, and I was like, he's gonna miss it. He missed four in one game. I was like, he is gonna miss this field goal right now. He missed it. I could not believe it, man. That is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty bad. All right, well, we'll cut it there. Uh, certainly depressing the Jags aren't in the playoffs, uh, but that's okay. We can still talk Jaguars and be optimistic about next season, and that's that's fun too. But, um, again, Down by the Bank is sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. We're on all the major podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you don't mind. It just helps us out, and we'll talk to you guys next time. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.